0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever, and unto the ages of all ages, Amen. The season where the Church is in right now is the Fast of the Apostles, which is the season of the Holy Spirit. Um, This is a time where we devote um, all of our uh, energy and prayers uh, as a collective, as a community. Of course, we all have our individual prayer requests and the individual. We're all going through our, our own thing. But as a church, as a collective, as a body, as a community, we're, uh, we're praying and we're asking for the renewal of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're asking for God to come and to renew His Spirit within us, um, like the prayers that are found in the third hour prayer in the, in the prayer book. And um, in, today's, in today's gospel... You find the, the Pharisees accusing Jesus and they say he, casts out, he only casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Um, and at first glance, you think to yourself, they're just saying that because, because they're jealous or they're just saying that because they're upset or they're angry or, you know, uh, Jesus's popularity, you know, had exceeded theirs or, or something, right? But why did they say that? Why did they say he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the? Why did they say they're basically saying he's he's possessed by the most wicked of all demons? Why that accusation? Why didn't they say uh, he is a false teacher? He's deviating from the teachings of the the you know uh, the fathers that came before him. Uh, why didn't they say, uh, you know, he, his, uh, he's not uh, of noble Jewish lineage? That was something that was really, really important to them. Um, why didn't they? There's a, there a thousand other accusations that they could have said. But they said, he's demon-possessed. Right? Why? What does it mean when, they say, when you say somebody is demon-possessed? It means that a demon is inhabiting an, 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 a foreign spirit, a spirit which is foreign to this person, is inhabiting this person. And what would make you say that about somebody? Well, if you saw that person behaving out of character, or if you saw that person behaving in a way which was unusual for a person to behave. Right? And so, what we, well, the church has put this passage for us now. In these days of the Holy Spirit for a very particular reason. It's telling us that if a spirit which is foreign to humanity inhabits us, it should be recognizable. It should be recognizable. The fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, is the Spirit of God, is the Spirit of Christ. As a, as a human being, you have a body and a soul and a spirit. And the soul is the seat of, the, the, seat of the, the mind and the will and the emotions and all of that. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. But is not a spirit like any other. It's a, it's, it's a div, he is a divine spirit. He, he, he is the Spirit of God. Let me, let me bring you another analogy to help kind of, uh, you know, uh, make it clear. So I call you up on a Friday afternoon, say, hey, why don't we uh, go out tonight or something? You're like, oh, I've got I've to go to a friend's place. I said I was going to go and this and that. I say, okay, well, we'll do something tomorrow. So Saturday morning rolls around when we get together and we're going for a walk or something. And I ask you, so how was it at your friend's place last night? And you say, oh, it was kind of dead. It was kind of lame, it was kind of whatever, right what, 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 what does that mean? It was kind of dead. It means it had it had no life in it when When the spirit of God inhabits a believer, he brings life a different kind of life, a different kind of life than if the person Solely had, only had a human spirit. So much so that it ought to be recognizable. And it was recognizable in Jesus. And it can be recognizable in you and in me. I have good news for you today. The good news is this, is that God has given every believer his very own spirit. And you have access to that. You can hear him speaking to you. You can hear him directing you, not with your ears, maybe with your ears, but mostly, mostly in your heart. And I'm gonna get really practical and talk about how. But I beg you, you and me, ask yourself, are people walking around and pointing at you and saying, you know, he casts, she casts out demons, he casts out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons? Do people recognize? Forget about what people think. It's not about what people think of me or they don't think of me. But is it recognizable? Is the work of the Holy Spirit in my life recognizable or not? Like, forgive the analogy. I know this is not, you know, for some people this analogy may sound offensive. Please forgive me. Um, Another word for alcohol is spirit. Right. Why? Like liquor, beer, alcohol, liquor, beer, wine and spirits. Why? Well, because if you have enough of it, it kind of changes you. It kind of affects you. It changes you from the inside, from the inside out. And it can be recognizable. And if someone has too much to drink at a restaurant or or a club or a bar or something, you know, they're supposed to recognize that and they're supposed to not allow that person to drive home, right? It should be recognizable. But if if they haven't had that much to drink, then it's not recognizable, right? They look like anybody else. This, uh, this week <coughs> God really impressed upon me this question: If the strength of alcohol is dire- directly like correlates to the ability of it to have an effect on you, right? Like a 0.5 percent wine cooler is not going to get you drunk, right? I mean, unless you have like some serious liver problems right? But like, you know, vodka or some other higher percentage alcohol, you know, would get the uninitiated drinker drunk very fast, right? Why? Because of how, because of how strong it is. Because of what? What are you going to say? Because of the percentage of the alcohol that's in it, right? So God really impressed upon me this week what is the percentage of the spirit that is in me if i was a wine bottle in the lcbo what percentage of spirit is in me forget about a label what percentage of spirit is in each one of my conversations, each one of my interactions with people, in my prayer, my time with myself, my time with God, my time with people, in my work. There should be some kind of change. And if you think to yourself, yeah, I mean, Father John, that's great for you. I mean... (coughs) Sorry. That's great for you, Father John. I mean, you're, you're a priest and so on, and it's kind of your job, right? St. Paul says here, using my analogy, so you know, like, I'm not the heretic who's like alcohol obsessed, okay? St. Paul says in Ephesians four eighteen, he says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. He gives us, he gives us line by line what it looks like when we are full of the Spirit. But before that, he says something to us and he uses like the imperative verb tense, I didn't know anything about verbs until I had to study French, you know? It's like when I learned English, I never learned any grammar or anything like that. But so, the imperative verb tense is is a command, is an order. Be filled with the Spirit. It's not optional. It's not optional. Can I tell you something? It's not about whether it's optional or not. It's not whether God is commanding you to do it or not. That's not what it's about. Folks, this is the meat and potatoes of Christian life. Like when, when somebody says to me, comes to me and says to me, "Father John, how can I have a spiritual life?" the answer, which is kind of the answer was last week's sermon, is, uh, "You can't. You can't. By the works of the flesh, give birth to a spiritual life. There are works that we do with our body, with our flesh that assist our spiritual life that carry our spiritual life forward but but we can't produce it it's not our life it's the it's the life of god dwelling within us that's why saint paul says in first corinthians he says do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the holy spirit and the the holy spirit lives within you He says it in two contexts. One in the context of the Holy Spirit working in our lives and one in the context of us honoring that temple. But forget about that. The point is this. The point is that this is the essence of Christian life. The climax of the life of Christ, like we go from one feast to the next. There are seven major Lordly feasts. The last one is the seventh one is Pentecost that we just celebrated just a little while ago, which is the giving of the Holy Spirit. This is what it's all about. This is what Christian life is all about, is that there's, the Spirit of God is living inside each and every believer. To be your comforter, to be your friend, to be your guide, to be your, your the one who convicts you, who realigns you when the, when you kind of go off track, to be the one who reins me in when I'm too excited, to be the one who props me along when I get discouraged. The Holy Spirit becomes the answer to everything. Everything in our lives And that's why when Jesus in the same passage that we read today Speaking about the unpardonable sin He says the unpardonable sin is to dissociate ourselves Permanently from the Holy Spirit Because then who can bring me to repentance Only he can bring me to repentance I have good news for you today I have really good news for you today that the creator of the universe, the life of the universe, Job says, Job, I believe 3417, don't call me, I can find it for you. Uh, <clears throat> he says, by his spirit, he holds the world together. If he, should gather himself to, if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. 34.14, Job 34.14. The Spirit of God that holds this whole world together, the Spirit of God that gives life to this world, the Spirit of God which animates everything. What's the difference between this pew um, and the person? This pew is an inanimate object. This pew is is Dead. A person is alive. Why? Because they have spirit. That spirit of God dwells inside every single believer and he is relentless. He will not leave you unless you forcefully leave him. Okay, Father John, sounds great. How? I'm going to give you two very simple practices you can put into practice today two things the first which is very simple is to pray and ask god to fill you with his spirit it's not something that you or i can do ourselves it's not something i can do i know that so i accept that so i stand before the one who can do it and ask of him and if your experience will be anything similar to mine it's not going to be one or two requests after which you're going to suddenly experience the Spirit of God dwelling within you. It may be hundreds or thousands of times that you pray and ask. So my suggestion is that every single time you pray, in the morning, before breakfast, before every meal, after every meal, when you're in the shower, when you're going for a run, say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Very short prayer, very easy, but Wine and nag God, nag Him, nag Him, nag Him, nag Him, nag Him, for Him to do the work in you and in me. As much as Jesus said to us, ask and you shall receive, and, and, it, and speaking specifically in relation to the Holy Spirit, He also gave us the parable of the persistent widow who went and nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged the unjust judge until He gave her what she asked for. So that's the first thing. If uh, you're not the kind of person who's gonna remember to do this every single day f- f- from now on, um, then you can do a- another beautiful practice uh, somebody suggested to me. It's been so nice. You can uh, set an alarm on your phone and uh, at a certain time in the day, maybe in the morning, you can take, an one of part of one of the prayers in this book. So the prayers in this book are divided into hours, first hour, third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour and so on. In the third the third hour is all about the Holy Spirit. If you have a, one of these beige books in the pew in front of you, you can you can pull it out and flip to page 63, 63 right in each hour you'll find there are psalms and there's a gospel and then there are some litanies litanies are requests most of the hours have six litanies and they're numbered one two three four five six a very simple beautiful spiritual practice somebody recommended to me recently and i found a lot of joy in it is set an alarm on your phone or something to ring for you every day i don't know a time that you know that you're going to have two minutes free and, and you'll have a clear mind. And pray the fourth and fifth and sixth litanies from your heart. O heavenly King, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, who is present everywhere and fills all, you are the treasure of goodness and the life giver. Graciously come and abide in us, O good one. Purify us of all our iniquities and save our souls. Just as you did abide with your holy disciples, just as you did abide with your holy disciples, O Savior, and gave them peace, come also now, abide with us and give us your peace, save us and deliver our souls. Whenever we stand in your holy sanctuary, we are indeed considered as those who abide in heaven. O Mother of God, you are the gate of heaven, open for us the door of mercy. Really simple, how long did that take? I didn't rush through it. I tend to pray very fast. I tend to chew up my words when I pray silently between me and God. But I made a real effort to read slowly or to pray slowly. How long did that take? A minute and a half? You know, two minutes, something like that. Find a two-minute block of time in your day. You know, nine o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock in the morning. Whenever you know that you consistently, you'll have, you'll have that minute. Set an alarm that tells you, to, to pray to pray those, those litanies, the fourth, fifth, and sixth litanies of the third hour. Another practice, very simple spiritual practice I'll share with you that brings to life, brings to life the life of the Spirit in us is a daily communion with God, reading a little bit of Scripture every day with the intention of putting it into practice that day. Jesus says to us, He says to us, My words are Spirit- and they are life. Now, I'd ask you a question. Don't give me a Sunday school answer, okay? Don't tell me, don't tell me the answer like you, know, like you would say because you're in church. Tell, say the answer you would say if somebody at work asked you this question. If somebody at work or at school or somewhere opened a book to you and held it open to you and told you, is this, is this page in this book alive or dead? What would you say? Multiple choice. You only get A or B. Alive or dead. What would you say? It's dead. right? Once upon a time, it was probably part of a tree that was alive. but now it's gone through the pulp and paper industry, and you know now it is dead. right? So Jesus, what are you talking about when you say to us, "My words are spirit and they are life." I'll tell you what He's saying to us.! <coughs> a very practical, a very practical application of that is that when I read the words of Jesus, okay? If you're an evening quiet time person, then in the evening before you go to bed. If you're a morning person, great. In the morning before your day gets going, right? And you hear Jesus say something like, lend and expect nothing in return. And you think to yourself, when's the last time I gave somebody something and expected nothing in return. I can't remember when's the last time I did that. And it gets impressed upon your heart that this is a commandment of God. I really ought to do this. And you go to bed dreaming about this or you go to work or school the next day thinking to yourself, I want to find somebody I can give something to, lend something to, but expect nothing in return. And all day you've got your eyes open looking for that person that you can give something to and they would receive it with joy and expect nothing in return. And you find somebody and you do it. What happened there? You read words printed on a page. But those words didn't just go in one ear and like sit around in my head or go in one ear and out the other. Those words went from my ear or from my eyes, whatever senses, to my mind, to my heart. And somehow something was impressed upon me that, geez, I should really do this. Something happened in there that made me be on the lookout, that made me, it changed the focus of my day. I wasn't going to work or to school exclusively for the purposes of work or school or whatever your primary occupation is. Now I was like going, but I had another agenda as well. Why? Because something, something changed, something moved inside of me. There was movement, there was life inside of me. That's, that's the life of the Spirit in us. And so that's what it means. One of, the, one of the things that it means when Jesus says, my, my words are spirit and they are life. All of a sudden, the word that you read becomes, becomes your life, becomes what you're trying to do. And if you do that one day and another day and another day and another day, you do that once in the morning and then at lunchtime you read something else and you do that in the afternoon, all of a sudden, your whole life... Your whole life becomes living the, the words of Jesus. So now the word which is spoken by Jesus has taken flesh in you and in me. How? By the Holy Spirit that is working. You see, this is, this is how when, when people keep telling you, got to read your Bible, got to read your Bible. I, I, I'm going to tell you how it works, okay? It's very simple. The Spirit of God indwells these words. Not these words literally, but indwells the words of Christ. The words of the apostles. And so, and the Holy Spirit also indwells me. And so, when I read the Word of God, there's like a synergy that happens. There's like a, it's like when you see yourself in the mirror, you recognize yourself. Imagine you looked in the mirror and you saw somebody else. You wouldn't recognize that person, right? But there's like a connection that happens when you look in the mirror and you see yourself and you recognize yourself. That's what happens when we, when we read the Word of God. The Spirit which is in us is enlivened by the, by the Spirit of God which is in these words. Then when we take them and we put them into practice and we do them then they bring fruit. The, the priest prays this prayer during the gospel. Like one of the reasons why it's hard for the priest to read the gospel is because there's this really long prayer that I pray at the beginning of while the gospel is being read. And in a certain part of it, I say, Lord, may we hear the words and bring forth fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold and when, what he's talking about is the word which is spoken to you and to me, may we hear it and then may it bring forth fruit. If we hear it and we're like, ah, oh, yes, that's very good. And, it, and, and, it, and nothing changes, then that, that's not what God is looking for. God is looking for the, what, what is this gonna amount to in the end? And so you and I are called to hear the word of God and to let it work in us. And that working in us is is the synergy of the Holy Spirit working in us to then translate into works. So two very simple things we can do to step by step become more and more filled with the Spirit of God. One, to ask Him continually, either if you choose to nag Him or you choose to pray the third hour litanies at a designated time every day. And the other thing we can do is have a daily communion with God, a daily moment with God where we read His Word with the intention of it moving us, us changing us so that we can put it into practice in our day-to-day lives. Glory be to God forever and ever, man. I have sinned. Forgive me, my fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters. Please pray for me.